0: This is the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and the Seahawks came away with a 28-26 victory in Pittsburgh's home opener. They go to 2-0 on the season. And joining me to talk about the Seahawks' win from the Seahawks' nest, Nathan Santo. Nathan, how you doing?
1: Doing great. I mean, how could I not be great after a win like that, uh, defeating the hated <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh? Nothing. Nothing feels better. And it feels a, a whole lot better because the Seahawks, they
0: haven't won there in 20 years. Mike Holmgren in his rookie season as head coach yeah. was the last time the Seahawks got the victory. And Pete Carroll goes in and
1: on his birthday uh, gets the win. So uh, happy birthday to Pete. Yeah, six, 68 years young. He looked uh, He looked young and fresh just like he always does i don't understand how he does it but there he is just out there clapping it up when i'm 68 i hope to be as like you know pumped up about everything as pete's pretty incredible stuff oh yeah and he was fired up after the win and just giving guys hugs on the sideline and uh yeah do, he was, do you think it's do you think it's the concussion water with the bubbles that <laughs> you keep, think do keeps, you think pete's into, into that too <laughs> probably i don't know it's the nano bubbles it, uh, it, that has yeah. to work i think that's it helps i think you're on something help. Like, I just couldn't I couldn't believe like just the way that the Seahawks from the from the very beginning of the game from the first drive just seemed to have a lot of the initiative. You know, they forced the three and out right away and it just like felt it felt like, hey, whoa, we're we're out here and we're doing it right away like there's there's no doubt you know it wasn't like oh we we had to come back in the second half or we started slow it felt good from the from the start which I thought was really cool in terms of the defense I would
0: agree with you but it took a little bit of time for the offense to get going early I felt like whether it was issues with DJ Fluker or Jermaine Fetty on the offensive line the Seahawks had a hard time getting things going on offense really until the second quarter
1: I mean it was the the first quarter was the it was just, you know, tough penalties. They had the Jaron Brown, with the legal block, Jermaine Effetti with the hold. You know, there's just all these penalties happening. And then, of course, the quarter ended with that that fumble. And I was I was a harsh ending because it felt like we were really, you know, move, moving the ball. Right. Yeah, it was tough. Chris tough. Carson, uh, kind of a rough day. You mentioned that first fumble forced by T.J. Watt,
0: which gave the Steelers the ball on the Seattle 22. And after the fumble, On third and five, the Steelers had a big play where Roethlisberger goes deep down the field to Samuels right near the end zone. And Michael Kendricks called for a defensive pass interference.
1: Did you? So Pete throws the red challenge flag on that one. He gets out there and he says, "Okay, that's that's no good. Did you agree with the challenge strategy there? And I I don't I didn't really understand what he was, what his thinking was there. It would seem pretty pretty cut and dry to me, at least the thinking to me in that situation is because of the way the, the
0: rule is written is that the defender has to materially impact the, or significantly impact the offensive player's ability to catch the football. And he caught the football. He just caught it out of bounds. And so (laughs) I I, I can maybe make the case for Pete Carroll saying, well, You know, there's no issue there. But I think the contact did uh, maybe uh, hinder him from catching the ball inbounds. I don't know if he would have caught it inbounds if my if
1: Kendricks would have just left him alone either. I think he called it because it's uh, less because he thought he would get it and more because of how high impact getting it would have been. It's third and five when they're throwing that pass. And if if he gets the call then the drive is over. They kick the field goal. It's three to it's three to zero, right? And, and we're moving the ball really well in the first right. quarter, other than like the drive killing sack at the end of the first drive where a Fetty almost falls over as TJ Watt runs by him <laughs> or the fumble. I mean, those are both like kind of, you know, iffy toxic differential plays, they weren't like, you know, something that I think that they felt like they could bank on. So we're moving the ball. Good. If he kills that drive there, three, nothing. And you saw in the next drive, we came right down the field and got the touchdown. So I think he did it as like a, you know, high percentage. Like if we get this, it's so good. It's worth it to, to burn a, it's a first half timeout, which I think aren't as good as second half timeouts. And I think just the strategy of
0: only using your challenges on pass interference penalties Mm -hmm. is the best way to go because they are such high impact plays. So I, I didn't necessarily have a problem with it, but any time I'm not going to be surprised if the officials stick with the ruling on the field with those calls every single time.
1: Yeah, It's it's tough to get the referee to admit they're wrong. That's like (laughs) I feel like that's a big, big ask. You know, they got to say, oh, yeah, didn't didn't get that one right. Especially if it's it's... a judgment call and they Mm -hmm. can look at it and go, oh, yeah, like the uh, the Trey
0: Flowers pass interference call from last week where you look at it and you go, you know, that's kind of ticky tack, but at the same time, it's kind of a 50-50 type of call that they can make just based off a of judgment. And they should they have made that call last week on
1: Trey Flowers? Probably not. But when they go back, they see enough that they're not going to overturn it. And yeah, it's like, oh, well, he had his arm around his body kind of like this, you know, reaching around. So then they just they just roll with it. It can use and everything looks bad in slow motion, too. And football is right. such a physical game. I think you can kind of make excuses. I have a question for you at the end of the second quarter. They go in for the two minute drill. And it's the, like basically the only time of the game we see CJ size. Do you think that CJ Procise is like the Ferrari in the garage that Pete is only willing to take the cover off during like a two minute drill or something like that? He kind of seems like, well, I think just based off of his past
0: now that he hasn't been able to stay healthy, I think they want to limit his snaps. And if you're going to limit CJ Procise's snaps and put him in on the most effective times, I think probably that two minute drill right before the end of the half or right at the end of the game probably makes the most sense if you need to to go down the field quickly, he he probably gives you some of the most big playability among your three running backs.
1: He's super dynamic in the passing game as well, because the way that he can run routes and stuff is pretty good. And you saw, they put him out on the, on the far end on one play and like had him line up at wide receiver. Basically. I mean, they, they're more than willing to kind of do stuff like that, that I, that I think maybe the other wide running backs couldn't handle as well. Yeah, CJ Procise. I like I like the way they used him. I think it's a good a good role for Mr. Glass if they're just like, hey, we'll keep you over here behind uh we'll keep you safe <laughs> t- until we need you. And
0: five touches, you know, he gets the the two runs on the ground for seven yards. He gets uh three catches for 13 yards. So I feel like that's a good day for CJ ProSize. He gets involved and it's just enough. And yeah, you don't get any flashy big plays, but uh he's he's in there to where at least he, he's making a contribution and that's better than him being injured and on the bench. So I, I will take what I can get from CJ Procise and, and that feels good. So uh, the other guy that I want to mention in the second quarter is, and this is kind of a, a play that I don't think is going to get talked about too much, but in the offseason, we've kind of had that discussion of, you know, who's going to take over on third down, who's going to be the guy that Russell looks to. And throughout the game, it, it was kind of... It was different people in different situations. You had one to Nick Viette, uh, but it was in the second quarter, right after the Steelers scored and went up seven to nothing, the Seahawks got into a third and 10, and it was Malik Turner that Russell was oh, yeah. hit for 15 yards. And that's a guy who I was surprised when I looked at the stat line. I, I remember that particular play, but he finishes with three catches
1: and 54 yards. Yeah, three catches. He had a long, that long thirty yard right. catch. Just a really solid game all around from Malik Turner, and um, really we needed a, we needed another wide receiver that could play on the outside, right? We have all these guys that you know fit best in the slot: Jennings or Sua. Uh, Tyler Lockett is really good in the slot, obviously. So, <laughs> so then. We, we have all these guys playing in the slot. We need guys that can stand outside other than Jaron Brown and DK Metcalf. And I think we've asked a lot of Malik Turner to be basically when David Moore's hurt, you're the guy, right? You're the second or third option out here to be on the outside. And he's d- done really well with it. Been very excited. They get that third and 15 and then they, they get to another third and
0: one. We're on the Pittsburgh where the Seahawks are on the Pittsburgh 26. Penny gets stuffed, unfortunately, and Myers is able to hit the 46 yarder. But then there was a 15 yard personal
1: foul on the Steelers that kept the drive alive for the Seahawks. Oh, it was it wasn't it's the one where you go over top of the the um, snapper, right? You yeah. can't jump on top of that guy anymore. So it was it was awesome because the that very next play. They came out and they got aggressive. They would did an aggressive uh, play call with this. They spread them out a little bit through a a pass up the seam to Disley. And I think that aggressive play calling was all over in this game where the Seahawks came out. I mean, they threw on the first, their first play, right? To DK Metcalf. They they come out throwing on this play. They bucked a lot of the tendencies that we saw earlier in the preseason and last week that where we thought, oh, this is just another year of run first, run first, run first, only pound it. But the Seahawks really come out with a game plan to beat the team they're playing specifically. And they knew they'd have to throw in this game to win and they they threw quite a lot they had 19 first half throws compared to only 14 runs so they knew they'd have to get out there and throw early to win the game
0: well and I think they probably did that with the expectation that they're playing a throwing quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger Uh, unfortunately for the Steelers he goes out with an elbow injury uh, and after the first half and doesn't
1: come back into the game you think he's playing hurt at the first half though because they look like it looked like he did not did not have the ability to throw long he had the the one long throw i think to holton where he was wide open yeah he had beat, he had beaten uh, was i think Shaq up up to the over the across the field and he threw it and he just missed him just a a, a clean miss and he was like 8 for 15 i think he might have been dinged up you know then after halftime they decided you know what just Shut it down. You're not. You can't throw deep anyway. Let's put in a different quarterback who also only throws it ten <laughs> yards or less. So, so that's. I mean, because Mason Rudolph did not attempt very many d- deep passes once he came in. No, but he was a little bit higher on his percentages
0: by the end of the game, going right. 12 and 19, and and you mentioned eight to 15 for Ben. He was able though to drive him down and, and you know march down the field for a 41 yard field goal to put him up 10 seven right before the half, oh, yeah. and then. Gosh, probably one of the more the more frustrating sequences for Seattle was their two-minute drill at the end of the first half. They're able to they get the ball back, two minutes to go. They get down to the Pittsburgh 36, and then they use a, a, a yard on a pass where the clock's rolling. I think that was one of ProSyce's catches. Uh, a three-yard pass to lock it, and the clock continues to roll. And then they throw it to Metcalf, and he gets called for face mask and offensive pass interference,
1: and they go back to the 49. I don't know about the face mask there, but definitely OPI. He pushed, he pushed off pretty solid there. And uh, then looked around like I got, I got fouled, which is always one of my, one of my favorites when a guy does something, but then acts like the other guy did it. So yeah, then they, but then they get nine of the yards back right away. Right. Mm -hmm. With the, crossing past the locket. They run up, they get in the field goal formation, 58 yarders. We know Myers can hit it. He definitely had the length, Yeah. but uh, it's, it's really hard to kick long kicks in that field. I think they said on the broadcast that the longest field goal in Heinz or in Heinz field history was 53 yards. Right. So, I mean, just, he just barely missed it. Could have been a record holder. It was, he was just that yeah, close. You know, just I wasn't feet. mad
0: about the fact that he missed it, but it was just more the sequence that they were in position and
1: then, you know, play after play after play, it pushes them back kind of out of range. I hate. Yeah, I always hate. You always hate that when the when it seems like they're getting into field goal range and then all of a sudden penalties or mistakes kind of push you back out. At least it wasn't a Fetty giving up sacks this time. <laughs> See, I guess we can look at the bright side on that one. At least a Fetty didn't screw things up that time. So then out of halftime, we come out. Uh, I think it was like two, uh, three and out. And then Brad gets that interception. When yes, it, that was a, that was such a heads up play. And it's this it's such a Brad McDougal play, right, to just like come out, heads up, track the ball like that. I was just really, really excited after that, at that point. And I
0: know a lot of Steelers fans were probably not surprised after Moncrief had the dropsies in week one against the Steelers that it was off his fingertips <laughs> uh, <laughs> into the ar- arms of an opponent. And that was his only target of the day for Moncrief. So um uh, maybe. <laughs>
1: Maybe it's too maybe, bad for him. Maybe they put him in jail. They're like, yeah. no, no more of that. We're, we can use Deontay Johnson and all these other guys. Vance McDonald tore it, kind of tore it up as seven catches, but they, they were all short. Like I like I said, they just kept attempting all these short passes, and it allowed us to keep kind of the game in front of us and kill their drives a little bit. Yeah, you mentioned them all being
0: short. Yeah, seven catches, 38 yards. That's just over five yards per catch for, for Vance McDonald.
1: And the two quarterbacks combined, I think, went for 5.5 yards per attempt, which is uh, not ideal no, <laughs> to say, to say not the idea. least. Um, the, then the Seahawks came out. They they drove straight down the field. Another Disley touchdown. Like, Disley has, I think, what, 19 career or maybe less, like 16 career catches and four or five of them are touchdowns. The guy is just a touchdown machine. I think they should throw the ball to him more because apparently every four catches or so is going to be a touchdown. It's going to be guaranteed to get a touchdown every fourth time. That's how it works, right? Is that is that it? Maybe that's what they need to do when they get into those
0: third and twenty seven situations. Just dump the ball off a a quick pass to Will Disley,
1: and it's probably going to go for a touchdown every fourth time. So it seemed like part of Pittsburgh's strategy was to try to target the 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 the, the zone underneath zone, Mm -hmm. build the short passes with the linebackers. And the linebackers did give up some yardage, but they didn't really give up any big plays. Do you think this is like a sustainable strategy for the Seahawks to try to like keep the three linebackers out there, keep the game in front of them, just give up a bunch of short plays and then, you know, maybe give up some field goals, but not a lot of big play touchdowns. It depends on the quarterback that
0: I think you're facing in those situations. If it were a healthy Ben Roethlisberger out there, then I think he's the type of guy that can be satisfied with just dinking and dunking down the field. And we saw it. That's how Andy Dalton racked up a bunch of yards in week one. It just, it depends on the quarterback if it's, but if it's a a younger player like Mason Rudolph or somebody who's going to want to take chances down the field, like I look ahead to Baker, a guy like Baker Mayfield, you know, those are questions, those are games where I'm going to have questions of, are those quarterbacks, are they going to make a mistake? And I think that's what Pete Carroll counts on is the quarterbacks that don't like to just take what the defense has given them down the field
1: and, and make them make mistakes. Yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of plays too, where our pass rush had a lot of time to get home where guys, what guys seemed like they were covered, you know, right off the, right off the bat. And then all of a sudden here comes, uh, you know, Jocamian Clowney or, uh, Quentin Jefferson, like late in the play, or Brandon Jackson had an early sack too, where they they late in the play were able to, to, to finish or pressure the, the quarterback. Hey, yeah, you
0: brought up Clowney's name. That was one name that I did not hear called all that much. And he only had one tackle on the day. I don't, Remember him having a batted pass or anything like that? He just didn't seem to impact the game that much, including Quentin Jefferson, who had such a big game in week one.
1: Well, they asked him to do something that I thought was pretty interesting in this game. I noticed it kind of at the beginning, which is that we're thin in the defensive tackle rotation today. Puna Ford was out of the game. Uh, We still don't have Jaron Reed. So our defensive tackles active for today are Al Woods and Brian Monet, and that's really it. And then, you know, Quentin Jefferson rotating inside. And I think one thing I noticed right away is that Clowney was standing up in the middle of the field, kind of occupying interior space, Mm. Um, you know, playing not defensive tackle because he's standing up, but like he's occupying that gap that a defensive tackle would occupy. And I just think they needed him to do something different, you know? And yes, it led to like less total sacks because he's not getting around the edge as much, but it, he was affecting the game. He was pushing guards and centers back into the, into the quarterback. And it's just, um, It was good to see because we have to do we need stuff like that. We need guys to step up and play a little bit out of role because we're so thin in the defensive tackle rotation for the time being. Well, that's
0: a good point to make because you you can affect the game as a player uh, without having the impact on the stat line. One big play, because right after the Seahawks went to Will Disley for a second touchdown of the day to go up 1410, Pittsburgh gets the ball back. And we see them flea flicker us just like the Bengals did. And Smith Schuster gets a 45-yard catch. And uh, fortunately, the Seahawks then able to hold the Steelers to a 33-yard field goal in that situation.
1: And I think that kind of play is like the play that scares you, right? Like the the ability to take the top off of our defense is the thing that I'm most terrified of right now because we don't have like we have had for the last, you know, eight, nine years, Earl Thomas back there patrolling deep. And it's, it's a lot scarier when people throw deep on us now. Whereas before I thought, oh, well, Earl Thomas is going to come from like off of the screen onto the screen and make a play on (laughs) that ball. Even if it's like an absurdly long distance now it's, you know, it's Lano Hill and Brad and they're, they're good, but they're not Earl Thomas and that's nobody really is. And that's why I don't understand the Pittsburgh strategy here to just like throw short and then that they had that one long pass and they had the one long pass in the first half, but mostly short pass attempts, other than that. And I think, thank goodness, the guy from house that's their coach. Um, uh, is it a not, Mike Tomlin looks like that guy from house? Oh, Omar oh Epps. yeah, the, the um, oh, Omar Epps, Omar Epps, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we we answered right back after that field goal, though. The penny had that 37 yard run, shut up all the Twitter haters. I was so happy <laughs> well, about you know, that.
0: You you mentioned the penny run, but really. Up leading up to that too it was their best drive of the day there weren't any penalties it was just eight yard pass to Carson seven yard pass to Lockett a five yard run by Carson and then a 10 yard pass to Carson and then a five yard pass to to Lockett so it was like alternating between Carson and Lockett down the field and then yeah the 37 yard run by Rashad Penny I I I enjoyed that because I do. I feel like Rashad Penny does get a lot of hate, uh, especially on Twitter. But he's he's just not the same guy as Chris Carson. Yeah,
1: Carson's goal is like to make the guy who's tackling him regret it. Like he wants the guy to feel like, oh, I regret trying to tackle Chris Carson. Maybe (laughs) next time I'll go for an arm tackle and then Chris Carson will just run through that garbage because he's he's going to break that. But Penny, on the other hand, I feel like he has great vision. He moves well in space. And I I do think he's a home run hitter that Chris Carson generally just doesn't hit home runs very often. He's just like a lot of doubles and a lot of singles. And that's good. I mean, I think they complement each other really well. I understand why people are so hard on Rashad Penny on Twitter because he's a first round draft pick and using a right. first round draft pick on a running back in 2019 is or 2018 is, is a little loose. But um it's working out so pretty good so far. And I tra- I trust the judgment of our front office. They know what they seem to know what they're doing. Yeah, they, they've done pretty well with it so far. Yeah, they, so it's a good track record of like <laughs> making the playoffs almost every year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's kind funny. of enjoy it. All right Nathan, well let's take a quick
0: break. We'll come back and let's hit on what the Seahawks did in the fourth quarter including one of the most pivotal calls of the game. We'll get to that and then we'll we'll share some of our thoughts about this game in general. Nathan Santo of the Seahawks nest joining me to break down the Seahawks 28 to 26 win over the Steelers 2 and 0 on the season, sending Pittsburgh to 0 and 2 for the first time since 2013 and the Seahawks out to 2 and 0 for the first time since 2013.
1: Wait, that's real. The Pittsburgh has not been 0- started 0 and 2 since 2013. That's what that's, I heard. That's pretty good. I like that. I like that. I, I like their suffering because they made me suffer as a youth, you know, when we <laughs> they stole that Super Bowl from us them and their their four best friends the referees hey i want before we go keep going i want to go back to one play in the drive before the penny touchdown which yes. is that michael kendrick's play where he just killed uh, james connor trying to add more charges to his court docket uh that play he one, it, it ended that drive. Like they were driving, they were on the sixteen. I think they had the big, the big play at the flea flicker, and then James Connor was not good after that play either. He had like a couple more rushes, but mostly they switched to Jalen Samuels from that point. I think Connor was pretty dinged up, and it was mostly because Kendrick's really got after him on that one. Oh my gosh, he blew
0: Connor up on that play, and. <laughs> That was the fun part of listening to the Rabel broadcast in this game is that <laughs> the, the reaction
1: of, of Rabel and of uh, Dave Wyman. Oh I, my bit, gosh. I like I like the, the, the when you when you listen to Rabel and you try to sync it up to the TV and you're like pausing the TV and unpausing it, trying to get it like exactly the same. Oh, yeah. It's always my favorite part of the beginning of any Seahawks game for me. is just that that point. But uh, I have a question for you. So the fourth quarter starts. They throw that touchdown pass to Vance McDonald. They have a nice long drive. They go for two, okay, and and I felt like the whole game hinged on that two point conversion because we're driving pretty good, we're moving the ball pretty good, and if they don't make it and we answer with a touchdown, it's very difficult to come back from nine points down that late into the fourth quarter. Right. So, like that two point conversion is such a such an important play, and Leno Hill got an interception on it. Like it was it was awesome that he kind of put a little stamp on the game a little bit. I I was like very very pleased with that because that play, if they get that two point conversion. I mean, it's totally it's a total different game when they get the ball back, you know, down 20, 28, 21 compared to 28, 19. And the Steelers,
0: too, they had two big third downs on that touchdown drive that I just remember being super frustrated by the fact that I think one of them was a third and long where uh, Shaquille Griffin maybe gave up like a 17 yard pass on one. And then the
1: other was a Mason Rudolph run where he got the first down the scramble. Yeah, Yeah, he had the scramble for seven yards. And I was like. And Bobby and KJ kind of converged on him and I felt like I wanted Bobby to just kill him, you know, just like (laughs) just destroy him, stop him from getting a first down. But he took kind of an awkward angle and ended up kind of drag tackling him and Mason dragged him for a couple extra yards, just barely past the sticks. So is is that was a little frustrating too. Um, one thing I like is that both of these teams used a, a offensive lineman as like a sixth guy. They use Zach Banner, and we have of course the best tight tight end in the NFL, George Fant. So I thought that was neat too, seeing both teams like creatively use a extra dude on a running plays. Yeah, and... They were playing without their fullback too, so that's that may maybe led to their decision there to go with the extra offensive lineman. So DK DK Metcalf. Uh, gets the touchdown. Yes, before pass. Uh,
0: well, oh. let's let's lead up to that because that was I I felt like that entire ser- series for the Seahawks leading up to the Metcalf touchdown was just the most critical uh because, you know, they're their first and 10 on their own 37. Then you have Jermaine Afechety with a false start. Pushes them back Fe- to Wait,
1: Afechety got penalties in this game? Apparently. I'm just kidding. I <laughs>
0: got yeah, so he man, Effetti had a tough
1: game in this game. Who had the worst <laughs> game between Effetti and Fluker though? I felt like Fluker gave up three sacks on his own. At least a Fluker was against. I mean, I guess Effetti was against Watt. I was gonna say Fluker's against Tuit, who's pretty good. Yeah, but Watt is also really, really Watt's good. Also really good. So it's tough. That's a that's a tough tough pick. Um. They they both did really bad. Okay,
0: well he well Fluker was the next one with the penalty after they got yeah. backed up five yards. Then it was a
1: holding call on Fluker that puts him back to first and twenty five. And then did you? They did that. They did everyone's favorite. They ran, they on, ran, first ran on first and long on
0: first and twenty five. Yeah,
1: <laughs> everyone hates that. But then they so second and twenty, uh big important play. Brilson uh, throws deep and then we get uh, the Pete Carroll challenge redemption right here. Yeah, he challenges the pa- call of pass interference, and uh, I mean. The thing is, is that Edmonds did turn Lockett's whole body with his arms. So it made sense that there was a pass interference on that play. Well, You had contact um, by the defense and then you had that late hit on Russell, too, where it was helmet to helmet contact that wasn't called. Yeah, Russell got killed on that play. And uh, yeah, they didn't call it. But then we get revenge, right? So they the pass interference moves the ball all the way up to the 35 is a long. It was a really long pass. Yeah, it was remember. a 38 yard penalty. Then we throw out a DK. I'm like the biggest DK Metcalf fan because I think that the the like, oh, DK Metcalf can only run run one route. Oh, DK Metcalf can only that stuff went way too far. And I mean, we've seen it in the first two games. He runs way more than one route. He's really good. And Russell Wilson will throw to him in situations when he feels like he needs he needs a bailout like he got seven targets in this game, even though he only got three catches and a couple of those were Russell Wilson, just like kind of, Hey, I don't, no one's really open. I'm going to throw it up to this guy. And then maybe he can make something happen because he is really, really talented. And I, I don't think, I think that's really been underrated. uh, Just the raw talent level of DK Metcalf. And he's not the best deal he could be right now. He's going to keep getting better too, which is really exciting. Yeah. He's a rookie coming out of college. And that's what I keep saying. Like if, Even if
0: well, he's on a crazy pace right now. I think I saw somebody say that he's on pace for twelve hundred
1: yards and eight touchdowns or something like that. But yeah, um. yeah. Twelve hundred yards is right. He has one hundred and fifty yards through two games. Um, If he breaks a thousand yards this year, that would be the best rookie season in Seahawks history for a wide receiver. It's like that's like Largent level of of being great as a rookie. You know, so I I don't I I can look it up right now, but. It's pretty, pretty insane what he's doing just as a as a larger had 705 yards. And I think that's the current Seahawks rookie record. I thought maybe Galloway would be the guy who would have the Seahawks rookie record. I don't I don't like to talk about Joey Galloway <laughs> <laughs> because I'm still a little stubborn, a little bitter that it seems like he just never wanted to be here. I don't know. That rubs me the wrong way. I want guys that, that love to be a Seahawk. Yeah, Oh, yeah. Galloway had a thousand thirty nine. So that's the number to be. Please wash that one away. <laughs> Galloway did it he had 67 receptions on 133 targets that's in that's an insane amount of targets oh
0: he was a stud receiver and it's it's just too bad that it didn't work out with him and Holmgren because it really it was that year that Holmgren came in that I think he felt like he was promised something from the previous regime that that, that didn't that he just didn't get
1: from Holmgren so all right we're getting we're getting out of track there was uh <laughs> because yes. there was a and then so the Steelers get the ball back they punt, they punt us down to like the 10. I don't remember what it exactly is. the 10 ish. And then Russell Wilson hands it to Chris Carson. What happened on this play? I don't, I just don't understand what, what happened here. Like it just looked like he like closed his arms or too early. I don't really understand what was going on there. And then also he was getting hit as he was getting yes. the ball. Too. There were a couple
0: different things. There was a dude who I, I assume that he must've come unblocked. Because he was from a from a Fetty side or Fluker side, right? Right, right. And he was already diving at Carson's feet as Carson was getting the handoff, but the handoff was high. The handoff was in Carson's chest. Oh yeah, okay. And so that's why I I think there's a little bit of fault on everybody. There's a fault on the offensive line, there's fault on Carson for for not being able to secure it. And actually looking at the stat line. The fumble was given to Russell Wilson, which I, yeah. I think he plays a role in that, too, with
1: it, you know, him not putting the ball where a running back normally takes it. That's one thing I always like about looking at the stat sheet, because sometimes they'll credit sacks to Russell, too, you know, because those, there's those sacks where he drops back. 80 feet and there's that (laughs) no tackle can can block in that situation. There's two it's too it's too difficult. So it makes sense that he gets credit with that. And yeah, I think I think it's fair to give Russell the fumble on this one. And And then and that was an interesting play, too, because Devin Bush, he
0: gets the football. He almost gets to the end zone, but the official ruled that he stepped out of bounds. But he may have even fumbled the ball into the end zone. It's just that it wasn't really conclusive of where he lost the ball versus where his Foot was when they ruled him out of bounds, so it uh, the the play ends up standing. But that that could have been an interesting play for Steelers fans if if they ruled that the Seahawks get the ball back in that situation
1: after he he fumbles it. Yeah, it was very strange that whole sequence, and just like the Reds had so many things to think about. Like, did he was his foot out? Was his was he did he break the plane? That was originally what they were reviewing was Mm -hmm. if he broke the plane, but then he had fumbled. Everly. a odd play but then they scored a Vance mcdonald again and he he just seemed open whenever they were in the red zone i yeah. don't know what was going on there and so um, it was 15 seconds after the dk metcalf touchdown the the
0: steelers are now back into the game 28 26
1: was it 15? i thought there was a whole, there was a whole drive in between the
0: oh that's right okay 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 so after they held the ball uh, right, we have after got get the Yeah, because we got okay, the Seahawks got the ball back with just under six minutes left and they're up by nine and points. And you think in your head, like Yeah, there's no way.
1: There there's no way the Steelers can can score twice in six minutes. Yeah, and then then of course that fumble, that freak fumble, man, instantly raised my stress levels because i was thinking the game was over yeah <laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna run a couple times run three times and uh you know dixon will come out and they'll have to drive 90 yards and whatever it doesn't even matter anymore but then yeah the fumble put it put them right back in play the seahawks had to come out and they had a final drive there's 534 left they have to kill they have to kill all the rest of the clock like that's their goal or, or the defense has to make a play if they give it back but if they give it back it, yeah. it
0: almost came down to that you know the there's the and that was an incredible drive, too. You have the second and nine. Russell Wilson takes it up the middle, gets the first down, but he goes down funky, twists his knee, gets caught in the
1: turf and saw the sta- big chunks of turf on the ground. Oh my too. Gosh. And my favorite thing about that was Britt on the next play. There's a big chunk of turf on the ground. He just grabs it and <laughs> throws it like 30 feet to the side. It's, like, well, it's pretty awesome. But that third and 16 play, Russell scrambles for 15 and then it's fourth and one. You're coach Carroll right there. Did you, would you have gone for the kill or would you have kicked the field goal? Yeah, there's three options
0: that I feel like you really have in that situation. They're on the Pittsburgh 33 up by two points. So you can either attempt the 50 yard field goal, but if you miss that 50 yarder, then the Steelers only have to go about 25 yards to be in position to win with a field goal. Cause they're only down by two points. Uh, the Steelers still had a timeout in that situation so you, or you could go ahead and punt it and then you could be down inside the 20 yard line potentially. But if it's, if you, if it goes into the end zone, then you're, that's only going to be like a 13 yard difference in in terms of field mm-hmm. position for the Steelers. So to me, it was a no brainer that you go for it on fourth and one and try and get that first down to close out the game because you don't want to give them any more field position. And, and really they would have to,
1: score a field goal. Anyway, I, I just didn't feel comfortable with a 50 yarder at that point in the game. I think it's absolutely the correct choice to go for four a fourth and one here, because if you make it, the game's over. It's one of those new wave things that more teams are picking up on is that if you stay aggressive in situations like this and you can convert, then you can you just put the other team away. There's nothing they can do anymore. And in this case, it literally put the game away because they don't have enough timeouts to stop the clock. So I think it's I think it's 100% the correct decision. And I'm really glad they went for it. Cause sometimes Pete's make Pete makes those old school decisions that I, I drive me crazy. So I was really happy to see him make kind of like one of the go for it on fourth down new wave decisions. And yeah, I mean, that was it. Game was over. Seahawks game win. over. and I I was, uh I was on, on my way to the Mariners game <laughs> 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 to watch them win with a walk. So one off it was a, a walk. Yeah. It was a walk <laughs> off <So>, walk. It's, <laughs> it's the stupidest I, way to end a baseball game. I, I think I remember losing games like that in little league. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um so we have a great weekend for Seattle sports overall. Seahawks win, Huskies win, Cougars win, Mar- uh, Mariners win, um yeah, just oh, Sounders won. I mean, we we did it. This is- <laughs> we, we hit for the cycle. <laughs> yeah, we we won them all this weekend. Well, Russell Wilson, a great day for him.
0: 29 to 35 for 300 yards, three touchdown passes, no interceptions. And I think that it was good enough for a perfect quarterback rating. If it's not, I don't know
1: what is. It's uh one thirty one. I don't know what that. I don't know what perfect is. Isn't it one thirty two? Okay. I think it's 8? like one fifty eight or something like that. Oh yeah. Okay. And then, he, but he had the eight point six yards per attempt, really great. Penny with the six point two, just overall the team rushed four point six yards per rush, which is really nice. And we held we held their their pass game, like I said, to five point five yards per attempt. They actually ran decently, but it was all that that one Benny Snell run, that twenty three yarder. <laughs> Like if you take that run out their their rushing attack was really bad. And I just think that just speaks to this defense is playing at a higher level than I think any of us could have expected, especially considering they're missing maybe their second best, their second best pass rusher and third best pass rusher in Jaron Reed and to Those guys are both really, really good football players and adding them to the team in the middle of the season is going to make us even more aggressive and good. The only thing that's worrying is it looks like this division might be uh, might be a tough one. San Francisco and Los Angeles also are 2-0. and
0: So did it disappoint you at all when you looked up at the scoreboard and saw that the 49ers were just dominating the Bengals in the
1: Bengals home opener? No, because I still think the 49ers suck. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo is through 25 times in this game and they they ran over an inferior opponent and they actually probably tried really hard. Whereas if you look at our game plan last week, it was like we treat we treated the Bengals like they deserved, which is like they like they were not a real football team. So I don't it doesn't bug me uh, that much that, you know, Jeff Wilson Jr. got after it in that game and uh, they they were able to get the win. And that score in the New Orleans game against
0: the Rams a little bit deceptive because uh, the the Saints were in it really until the third quarter and the Rams, you know, just kind of took off in that fourth quarter. Uh, a big part of that,
1: though, Teddy Bridgewater in as backup. Well, I don't know if you saw, too, that uh, Cameron Jordan in that game, they uh, there was an early whistle. So Cameron Jordan, they they threw for a they threw like a out in the flat and then he got the ball and ran it back 80 yards, but the referee whistled because he thought it was an incomplete pass. It was not. It was a fumble. And then he scored a touchdown. So it cost the Saints a defensive touchdown, and they didn't end up scoring a touchdown that drive, obviously, because they only kicked three three field goals in the game. So it was like a huge play. So what what I want to know is what did the Saints do to Roger Goodell that he has to give them <laughs> so so many of these weird things keep happening to the Saints? The pass interference and now this, um, and it hurts us directly because if the Rams lose this game, I think it puts us in really good position to start push put in the division in jeopardy. Now we get to play. The probably very angry New Orleans Saints next week. I'll be curious to see if Drew Brees is back up in the lineup with his thumb injury come next week or if we're going to be seeing Teddy Bridgewater. Now, Teddy Roosevelt, man, he he was uh, not as good as Drew Brees in this game, but that's not super surprising to, to me. Yeah. And then the Ravens, uh, it turns out they can't score 60 points
0: every week. They only win 23-17 over the Cardinals.
1: Yeah, it's well, you know, it's, it's tough. We can't play. My, we all can't play the Dolphins every week. You know, it's just a. It's not a gift. It's the gift that doesn't keep giving for them. But Lamar Jackson's still pretty good. So maybe, maybe uh maybe he shouldn't have been asked to play slot wide receiver by that guy for Indianapolis or whatever. Yeah, yeah, he's um, that's going to get brought up. I think over and Kyler, over again. Does Kyler Murray scare you at all? Like just from like a philosophical perspective? Like he looked pretty good in this game. He had eight point seven yards per attempt. Does this air raid offense? I mean, obviously, we can't play three linebackers against it, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> or, or they try. <laughs> it seems like a really bad idea to play three linebackers all the time against a team that spreads it out like this. I wasn't sure about that whole strategy against the Steelers because
0: we saw multiple times where it was K.J. Wright on Smith Schuster and,
1: you know, yeah. Ben and obviously going to take advantage of that mismatch. I mean, they but it seems like they were looking for whoever the linebacker was covering and just Throwing it to that guy at, at first, at least. Yeah,
0: it was. And but then Jamar Taylor did get some uh, did get in there a little bit later. So
1: are you uh, where do you fall on the, uh, the slot cornerback battle? Does Jamar Taylor, uh, Ugo Amadi, uh, Perry Nickerson is on our practice squad now? Uh, do, you, do you have a favorite there or do you just kind of want just someone <laughs> whoever they whoever actually plays good, right? I,
0: I do have a favorite right now, but unfortunately, he plays uh, for the Miami Dolphins
1: in Minka Fitzpatrick. That's I think that's who I'd like to see take over that spot. I mean, that is he is like um like an advanced version of what we want Ugo Amadi to be. Eventually, I think he's just right. already the already the finished product can play in the slot, can play free safety on first down when you don't maybe don't need a slot corner and then uh, can come in and cover in the slot. He's so good if the asking price is really a second rounder it's silly not to get in there and try to get him right. um, especially with how many middle round picks we have right now yeah i'd I don't be okay
0: with it you know what do play we games. really use
1: our first round pick for anyway is to other than to turn into more second round picks right and we trade we trade we'll trade down anyway no matter where we're picking which yeah. is going to be 32nd th- so <laughs> We're two and oh, you got to you got to get confident now. Now's the time. It's time to get confident
0: because they can't finish any worse than two and two in September now. And
1: that's already going to be better than where where they were at last year. Next three games are tough. We got Saints at home, then at Cardinals, which is a cursed trip every year. Yes. And then versus Rams. I'm like that. And then at Browns. Those are all tough games. There's no freebie. There's not very many freebies on our schedule this year. You know, we get the Buccaneers at home. But I <laughs> think a lot of us now. also were penciling in this game against the Steelers as a loss. So I'm, I'm happy that we're already ahead now. Yeah, we needed to get ahead. And this is a good way to do it for sure. All right, All Nathan. Right.
0: Well, I know yeah. you guys are going to be talking about it on the Seahawks Nest coming up this
1: week. If you want to tune in, where do they go to find it? Oh, uh, yeah, you can head over to uh, just go to Twitter and look for Seahawks Nest. We don't actually have a website. We're like pretty hood like that. So, you know, SoundCloud for Seahawks Nest, iTunes, Seahawks Nest, uh, everywhere you can find it. Uh, Podcast We're on there. Thanks once again to Nathan Santo of the Seahawks Nest. Check their show
0: out later this week. Also, check out fieldgoals.com as Kenneth Arthur is pointing out how Russell Wilson off to a career best start under offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer after two games. Also, take a look at the winners and losers article by Mookie Alexander. And another one of Mookie's articles in Seahawks 28, Steelers 26. Wilson leads the way again, goes quarter by quarter, and breaks out some of the highlights from the 28-26 to 26 win. Check it all out, fieldgoals.com. More reaction coming throughout the week. And if you want to help support this show as well as the Seahawkers podcast, you can go to getintheflock.com. Support the show. We'll give you a shout-out on the next episode of the Seahawkers podcast. That'll be a little bit later this week. And also coming out later this week, Clinton Bonner's 3-in, 3-out. If you have some ins, you have some outs, then make sure and hashtag it 3i3o on Twitter, at Clinton Bon, and uh, see if he'll incorporate some of your top plays and top disappointments from week two in his upcoming show. Stay tuned to FieldGoals.com. More episodes, more articles throughout the week. We'll see you then. Go Hawks.